0: you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rival. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and relentless thinkers on this planet who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple, and that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life. If I can share one big secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. if you're a regular listener of Visionary Life, then you know that we normally interview business founders around here. But when I look back at why I started this podcast, that was not the sole goal. It's just kind of how I ended up uh, following the trajectory of episodes and I met so many incredible entrepreneurs that that's what you've been used to hearing for the past four seasons of the show. But really, my mission is to bring you conversations with visionary humans who are using their talents to create massive momentum and impact in this world, and who are living life on their own terms. And in the case of today's guest, she is doing so as the president of one of Canada's largest yoga communities. Before I introduce you to her, I want to put out a call to action that if you know any visionary CEOs or managers or presidents or VPs, please connect them with me. You can reach out on Instagram or email me because chatting with today's guest has really reminded me that visionaries are not always the ones starting the businesses, but they're often the ones growing existing businesses to new levels and leading companies with massive visions to brand new places. So today, I hope you enjoy this episode because I am chatting with Carrie Dillon, who is the president of Why Yoga. Why Yoga is a community of Canadian yoga studios founded in 2007 by Terry McBride and Partners, which now offers 800 classes weekly across 12 locations in both British Columbia and Ontario. Prior to becoming president at Y Yoga, Carrie was also part of the core team that made the Vancouver 2010 Olympics happen. She spent time working for big name brands like Mech or Mountain Equipment Co-op and Boston Pizza And she also has a CPA designation that has opened the door to many opportunities. So, more on Carrie in a moment and on why yoga. But first, I thought I'd give you a quick update. So, I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast earlier today while I was doing some sprinting on the treadmill at the gym. And I heard this really amazing quote that he pulled from one of his past interviews. And it really got me thinking about how I could ask myself this question in my own life. And I just wanted to share it with you in case you're going through any challenges or you're trying to make a big change in your life or you're looking to shift your health or your career or relationship. And the question is this. I want you to ask yourself, How have I been complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? So again, that's how have I been complicit in creating the conditions I say I don't want? This really struck a chord with me because when we say things like, I'll never find a new job or I'm going to be broke forever, Or I'm just not ever going to get into great shape like this person. Well, that's simply not the truth, first of all. And I want you to ask yourself if any of these types of thoughts ever plague you, what factors are you enabling that make you stuck or that make you stay where you are or that make you experience the condition you don't want? And for me, I kept thinking about a few things in terms of my own business And in particular, the reach of the Visionary Method, the 90-day business coaching program that I run. And I've been struggling with a couple things, like how I need to modify the pricing model. And um, another thing is that in order to truly scale this program on a global level, I need to refine my entire sales funnel at the moment. And the sales funnel has worked for over a year and it's gotten to a decent reach of people. But I know it's going to take a massive overhaul to get to that next level of truly reaching a global audience. And yet, I spend so much time sitting, watching what others are up to, not making definitive processes for my own growth, and then wondering why. I'm not reaching the same level of success as certain coaches um, or certain business leaders that run something similar to the visionary method. And I've been asking myself that question, how have I been complicit in creating the conditions that I say I don't want? Like, I don't want my program to stay at the level it is forever. I am looking to grow and make this a massive entity I want anyone who wants to start a business to go through the visionary method because I know it can help them, but it's going to take some radical ownership on my part to realize where I'm being complicit and to change that and to take action. And so I just thought I'd share that question with you for anyone who is maybe suffering from being complicit in taking action on their dreams. Okay, let's chat more about this episode with Carrie. So with a focus on offering the highest quality teaching, incredible studio experiences, and accessibility of yoga for all levels and for everybody, why yoga continues to support the well-being of Canadians through yoga, fitness, meditation, and signature classes. Most recently, Why Yoga launched an on-demand class streaming platform called Why Yoga at Home, allowing guests to practice with Why Yoga teachers anytime, anywhere while accessing expert knowledge. I was actually generously gifted a two-month trial of Wyoga Yoga at Home. And I've really loved the classes that I've experienced. Just last weekend, I did a bar class. I was on my patio. All I needed was a yoga mat and my body. I've also tried some of their yoga classes too. I can even choose a quick lunchtime express class, which is only 20 minutes long, or all the way up to a more intense hour-long class. Everything has been truly amazing with the platform. It's easy to navigate and simple to flip on. So under Carrie, Why Yoga just also announced that they're now franchising. So if you've ever thought about opening a yoga studio or you wanted to open a franchise, this might be the opportunity for you. In this episode chatting with Carrie, we talk about the routines that both her and I love when starting our days why it's important to have a creative outlet, and especially when you're in a job that maybe doesn't allow you to tap into that side of you. We chat about how she landed a -a once-in-a-life opportunity with the Olympic commitment, and then ultimately how she landed her role as president of YYoga. She shares what her vision is for the company and how she's looking to spread that vision down through the organization. She shares a little more about the experience that you'll get if you attend Y-Yoga or take one of their at-home classes, especially if you've never been there before. This is going to inspire you to get to a studio or tap into their streaming service. And we talk about so, so much more. I think you're really going to resonate with Carrie's journey. She's amazing to chat with, such an inspiring woman, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. So, you can go ahead and connect with Carrie Dillon. Just type her name into Instagram, C A R E Y D I L L E N. Or you can find Y Yoga online at yyoga.ca or on Instagram at yyoga or yyoga at home. Before we dive in, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Healthy Planet. Now, let's dive into one of the amazing products that Healthy Planet sells, essential oils. So if you're the type of person that ever feels stressed or overwhelmed or just unreasonably fatigued, then I want you to think about some incredible essential oils that you could use to overcome these emotions. Things like frankincense essential oil, lavender, eucalyptus, peppermint. In my home... The diffuser is going all the time. I have oils for every single mood, from the moment I wake up to the moment I come home from a long day or come home from the gym and I need a calming scent. And I know most of you, you have your oils, you have a diffuser, and your stash is growing because they work. And I bet you didn't know that Healthy Planet can be a one-stop essential oil shop. With brands like Now, Aroma Force, and New Roots, you've got your pick of top quality essential oils to shop anytime and shipping to anywhere. So, if you don't live near a Healthy Planet location, you can order online at Healthy Planet Canada. When you go to their website, the shopping experience is seamless and it really is simple to navigate by category, by product, by brand, whatever you want to sort by. One other exciting thing that I definitely want you to take advantage of is that you can use my code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save 10% off any online order that's a minimum of $49. So head to healthyplanetcanada.com, grab some essential oils for calming, for relaxation, for the bathtub, and then use my code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save 10% off any online order that's a minimum of $49. Okay, so Carrie, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm very, very excited to chat with you today, especially as a regular attendee of Y Yoga Classes and now doing the at-home version, which is absolutely incredible. But more than that, just excited to talk to a visionary like yourself. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, Kelsey, for having me. I'm super excited to hear that you're um, going to Y Yoga and that you've tried Wai Yoga at home. So love to hear that. Love to talk to people that are connected to our community. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I am the girl who 15 years ago, I was doing like VHS Thai Bo at home. So it's really <laughs> I, great that I have things that as have evolved. Well. <laughs> it's nice to have it nice, on a laptop. Man, I know. <laughs> so yeah, big fan of the at-home workouts. Good, Yeah. Clearly so so am I. (laughs) Let's dive in and let the listeners get to know you a little bit with some rapid fire questions. So number one, where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised actually in Langley, BC. Um, My dad actually built our house. So it was the house that I grew up in, um, you know, right from a baby all the way to graduating until they sold. Um, We had an acre, we had horses, rabbits, dogs, cats. Um, yeah,
0: that's Amazing. where I grew up. That sounds majestic. <laughs> Is there a person, a podcast or a book that's very much impacted your life?
1: Uh, probably the biggest impact in my life has been my dad. He was an entrepreneur, um, business, just work ethic, just, his, just the person that he, he was. He's no longer with us, but um, yeah, biggest impact for sure.
0: I think that's a really big factor too in influencing Mm -hmm. who we become is seeing a close family member or friend follow that entrepreneurial journey. So it's definitely a blessing to have that in your life. Yeah. Is there one epic adventure that you've (laughs) been on lately? I, yeah,
1: well, I guess, yeah, I would say last December I went to specifically, I went to Playa del Carmen, Mexico to go scuba diving with bull sharks. (laughs) <laughs> um, and uh, going to go into the cenotes there as well to do some diving. So, yeah. Um, incredible. <laughs> yes, they are one of the biggest predatory animals. So, yeah. And did you feel safe? <laughs> I did, actually, uh, until one started coming straight towards me, and I was like, mm, maybe, not, maybe that, that I don't want. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, fascinating. They, they go there to, um, to give birth actually on their migration route and that's where they um
0: they give birth there so yeah so neat yeah it's pretty cool what is one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable
1: i snuggle with my dog every morning
0: (laughs) i definitely second that what kind of dog do you have i have a little 13 year old bichon adorable yeah yeah so he's yeah and what is your favorite morning beverage
1: well, I had it this morning. Um, my hot water with lemon every morning. I'm drinking that right now. Yeah, see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was feeling a little a little cool before we started recording, mm. and I was like, I think I need a hot water with lemon. So yeah, yeah, that's like serving. that's my
1: non-negotiable in the morning,
0: always. Yeah. So good for you. Yeah. Okay, Carrie, so let's zoom the lens back a little bit because I'm sure people want to know kind of what your life trajectory has been. So let's kind of zoom it back to life after high school. What did you go to school for? What did you study uh, once you graduated from your high school?
1: Yeah, so um, I went in not, I I sort of have, I used kind of both sides of my brain. So I was doing fine arts and I was in um, pre-commerce, so business classes. Um, because I really didn't know what I wanted to do, because um, I enjoyed both of those kind of uh, left brain, right brain activities. Uh, but then I ended up uh, deciding on commerce. So I went into commerce and um, came out with a BCom from university. Um, but I really, for me, I was sort of navigating through finance and. like well I don't know what I want to do because you had to pick a major when you're sort of going through the program and so I actually grabbed a fortune 500 magazine when I was in university and I was in my third year and they said pick a major and I I saw the top 100 kind of CEOs that had this CA thing behind their name and I was like okay I'll just do that like they they clearly know something I don't know so I'll go do that um and I was so I that was kind of my trajectory and um, not really a whole, because I didn't know anything. So I thought that people maybe around me knew more than I did. So that's kind of how I picked my major. And
0: just um, to clear that up, that's chartered accountant, right?
1: Yeah. So at accounting. Yeah. So I went into accounting.
0: And so and it wasn't
1: even my good classes. Like I wasn't even getting great grades.
0: <laughs> but you were <laughs> like inspired I, by all these successful people. Yeah, so well, I thought they not? must know something. <laughs> so yeah, that's- I went into that. That's too funny. And I mean, sometimes I think you just got to go with whatever gut hit you get. And if that's from reading a magazine, so be it, right? You'll, you'll course correct if it's not the right thing. Well, I was good at math. So I figured like maybe
1: there's something there. I don't know.
0: Okay. And I love business. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you graduated then, did you start practicing as an accountant?
1: Uh, yeah. So I
0: got hired with KPMG.
1: Um, I actually got my degree in Alberta. I did Alberta and Hawaii actually was was where I got my degrees from Um, and then I moved back to Vancouver and started with KPMG and kind of in between kind of starting with KPMG moving out I was um, I was a group fitness instructor so I was doing that um, to kind of pay my bills before I actually started at KPMG.
0: Oh very cool what type of fitness classes were you teaching? Uh, I was just boxing.
1: <laughs> so that brings, that brings that whole full circle back to your Thai Bo conversation. <laughs> Cause that was one of the reasons why I had that VHS was to learn how to teach boxing. Um, yeah. So I was teaching, uh, you know, the, the step aerobics and, um, and just regular aerobics boxing. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So do you you think
0: that you kind of held on to that while you were practicing as an accountant because you still mm -hmm. needed to stimulate that creative art side of your brain? Was that kind of the, what was happening there? Yeah, for sure. For
1: a hundred percent. So for me, like I need that creative kind of outlet. So, you know, before I was drawing and painting and I was, um, and I was dancing and choreographing. And I think that that led into when I was in university was, yeah, I'm doing all these school things, but I I was teaching uh, fitness classes as well. So yeah, it's, and I, and I'm sort of, I would say that's probably a bit of a through line for me is it's either been sports or some sort of health, wellness, creativity um, piece in there for Mm -hmm. sure.
0: Very cool. And so how long did you end up practicing as an accountant for, and were you happy? Did you feel very (laughs) um, dedicated to this career path or was something else on your mind at the time?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, I was actually at KPMG for seven years, so I was senior management. Um, I I had gotten um, some really interesting sort of rather than like at KPMG, I was able to kind of uh, teach across Canada. I did tax pool stuff. I was managing the summer student program. Um, so I got to kind of dabble in a bunch of things, and then all of a sudden, I got the sort of the tap on the shoulder saying, okay, we want to put you on partnership track. And that's kind of the top of the mountain, right? Like everybody's kind of, that's the succession plan is to get to that top tier. And I was like, oh, I'm there. And I thought, (laughs) oh God, do I want this? And I, and I took a bit of time and a pause and I went, no, I don't like, this is not the life that I want. And I went, oh geez, what do I want? Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, I would almost say like snuck up on me in a way of, I wasn't necessarily gunning for it, but um, yeah, it was, it was somebody else saying, Hey, you're there. And Mm -hmm. I went, I don't want to be there.
0: So it's interesting you bring this up because I know that a lot of our listeners find themselves at this crux in their career at a certain Mm -hmm. point. And I think this is a a potential pivot point for a lot of people to either make that change and go, Oh my gosh, I don't want that next step like my colleagues do. But on the contrary, some people feel that that safety net they've built around them, they kind of are stuck now. Right. And so they say, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to be on the track to partner, or I'm supposed to continue following this certain path and it's too late to change. So Mm -hmm. it sounds like you had that epiphany of no, it's time for me to make a shift. So bring us back to that point. Like, did it take a long time to make the decision? <laughs> uh, were you fearful of what that next step would be, or did everything just start to unfold and you knew what that pivot needed to, to be?
1: Yeah, it was it was an interesting process. So um, that tap on the shoulder came in about August, September, because the the financial year end for KPMG was September. So. They sort of planned for the next year and I went geez if I don't want that what do I want so I actually spent um, from kind of September through to the end of December kind of figuring out like okay if I'm going to make this jump uh, what companies do I want to go work with um, and start to reach out to those companies to see if there's any um, any openings so kind of first on that list for me was actually the Olympics because that was back in 2004 um, and I was like okay you know they just announced everything here in vancouver in 2003 and i was like you know it was kind of top of mind for me so I went, okay that's my first choice then i went well i like the value of mec and i had a bunch of kind of companies there um and the olympics at the time wasn't hiring so i was like oh okay my first choice fine um and then to be quite honest with you in february Um, so I'd gone and kind of reached out to, um, recruiters and things like that. But in February, I was running the half marathon here in Vancouver and my partner was waiting for me in the coffee shop to be done. And when I came back, he said, Carrie here, I found a job for you. Um, and I was like, oh, where? And he said, oh, it's a maternity leave contract for MEC. And, and he goes, is an MEC on your list? And I said, yeah. I'm like, oh, Okay. And then he said, well, what do you want to do for the rest of the day? And I said, I actually have to go back to work. I've got to go do, get a bunch of files up for KPMG. And so I went back and I was in the office and I was a little annoyed that I was in the office on a Sunday <laughs> um, and I was working. So I went, okay, like, forget it. So I actually crafted my resume, my cover letter, I sent it in and I got the job. <laughs> and, and part of it for me was, you know, can I even do the job? Um, and so I had that, you know, kind of, I would say that imposter syndrome of, I guess I'll just kind of fake it till I make it. And these people think I can do it and we'll see. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, people at KPMG thought, why is she leaving for maternity contract? That doesn't make any sense. She's senior management. Like, um, and I said, you know, this will allow me to kind of get out there and see if I like it. And if I don't like it, then I can come back or I can do something else.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think that was scary. A really good tip too, to even anyone listening who is seeing jobs that they might want to apply for, but feels that imposter syndrome, and then doesn't mm-hmm. submit a resume, it's mm-hmm. like, no, because they might see something in you that sparks their curiosity. And maybe that's what happened with you in this position. Cause did you apply to it? Not necessarily having all the credentials that they were asking for, or was that just your own lack of belief in yourself? I, I, making- I'd say it's
1: my own lack of belief. Um, mm-hmm. because I, i had, I had all these great skills, but I didn't know if they were going to be transferable. Um, because I hadn't worked out in industry before. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that was just very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And what kind of like fears or if any came up Mm -hmm. around taking a one year contract and leaving a full time secure job? Um, Did you feel like it was all going to work out? Or was there some doubt that maybe you'd be out (laughs) of work after a year?
1: Yeah, I think because I had a skill set, I figured, you know, I, I should be able to find a job. So it wasn't, I wasn't fearful about taking the, the one year contract that actually, that, that, that wasn't even a a fear for me. It was more, can, can I do the job and am I going to like it? Because I was like, I was in this job that I was liking, um, but I didn't want to move up. And so that put a ceiling for me and I didn't want to stay put either. And yeah. So then I was like, well, what's next? And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll go try this. And I thought, well, what happens if I try it and I don't like it? And I went, well, I gave it a shot. I guess I'll just try something else later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit like I am a risk taker. Um, I'm a risk taker in lots of things and an adrenaline junkie and that kind of stuff. So um, that the fear isn't there for that.
0: That's definitely a skill that you can be very proud of. Cause I know it doesn't yeah. come innately to a lot of people to be mm-hmm. okay with that risk. And I think for anyone who wants to make a leap or a change, there's always going to be a certain element of risk that you just mm-hmm. have to push through. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to just be okay with the fact that it may not work out, but you'll be okay. You'll figure out yeah. that next step. Yeah. So how long did you stay with MEC for and then what happened next Hmm. in your career path?
1: Yeah, I was at MEC for about four months and then I, I got the call from the Olympics saying we're hiring now. And I was like, Oh geez, what do I do? Um, because I'm, I'm at MEC, I've committed to a year and I was really enjoying what I was doing. Uh, but I, I, so I actually went and got counsel from, um, a partner, actually at KPMG, that I trusted, and said to him, "Like, what should I do? Um, because I, I have this, this really, this value, this uh, that that I hold quite dearly, that when I make a commitment, I follow through." Mm-hmm. And I said, "So I, I wouldn't feel good um, about sort of pivoting from MEC." And he said, "You know, the Olympics was your first choice, and you just never know. You could go into a conversation with them." And you can find out that's actually not the job that you want and, and you stay. And then you stay at MEC. He said, but you know, the Olympics is a once in a lifetime thing. Um, he said, I think you need to go through the motions and see if it's, if, if there's a fit there. Um, so that's what I did. And I went through and, um, there was a fit and, um, yeah. And then I got the role with, um, uh, with the Olympics and I, and it was, it was real struggle, like, um, ethically for me around Mm -hmm. not following through on that commitment. And, um, and MEC was very gracious. Um, I took a lot of time to sort of transition out of the role and to help to find somebody else. And, um, but yeah, it was a really hard decision for me, Mm -hmm. um, around commitment.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think especially when you hold those values of staying true mm-hmm. to your word, but I also love what your friend said that, you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing that mm-hmm. you initially had, um, as the top job or dream job that you wanted. And so sometimes you do have to, you know, have outside perspective that'll give you mm-hmm. that little push. And yeah, um, I think that's really cool. So you join the Olympics and yeah. what happens from there? <laughs> yeah. So
1: I joined the Olympics in 2005. So I was one of the first 50 people into the organization. Wow. Um, Yeah so my job was to kind of build the infrastructure of finance for the games so that was kind of right out of the gate pick a finance system build all of that build the reporting um, hire a finance team to sort of do all the financial stuff so that was right out of the gate (laughs) kind of everybody said being at the games was kind of like drinking from a fire hose like it was just No, here's the date that we're opening, um, February 12, 2020, uh, 2010, um, you know, go. (laughs) And so it was very entrepreneurial. Um, There's 53 operating divisions, uh, but that was kind of my job right out of the gate. My job kept changing about every 18 months, pretty substantially. So in 2006, I took over uh, venue construction so all the venues that were being um, built out for the games, about 680 million of kind of construction. They they kind of tapped me on the shoulder for that saying, you know, you've built the infrastructure for that. We've got cost escalation in construction. Can you take over this? Did you have a bit of a construction background? That was what my dad was. He was an entrepreneur in construction. Um, and I said, okay. And so I did that uh, along with, a finance role for two years till 2008 and the venues were kind of up and built and we were testing them out uh, pre-games and then uh, you might recall we had a big financial crisis <laughs> in 2008 in the world and and yeah they uh, we were all kind of focused on expense um, and cost reductions and nobody was kind of looking at revenue. And so they said, okay, well, Carrie, can you take over the, the $2 billion of revenue um, and, and make sure we stay on track with that um, through to the games? So I built a team around our revenue streams and yeah, that became sort of all the way through to 2010 for me. So yeah.
0: wow, three and big sh- portfolios of stuff. <laughs> no kidding. And so yeah. being that working for the Olympics was a dream mm-hmm. job for you what did it end up being all that you hoped it to be? Like, was the culture amazing? Was it what you wanted out of a career or did you experience a lot of stress and you know, uh, maybe it wasn't all you thought it was going to be for you? I would
1: definitely say it was probably the most challenging professionally and personally. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a lot of ups and downs, uh, stress for sure. The world was watching. Um, It was in the newspapers, it was everywhere. So this, every decision that we were making had, um, had a microscope on it. Um, yeah, so it was, it was very stressful. Was it all that I'd hoped it would be? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, the whole experience to be doing something for your country, um, mm-hmm. is pretty amazing to be able to handpick people to be, um, surrounding you and part of a team is I think a pretty incredible and luxurious place to be, um. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty special, but I would say sort of after the games, people didn't know what to do with my experience. Mm -hmm. Like Vancouver didn't know what to do with it. The business community.
0: Is that because you had so much experience with the Olympics and pulling it off and, and really having a a pretty awesome role and the chance to do so much work that you'd never done before that then you didn't necessarily find a role that could keep up to that afterwards?
1: yeah it's it was it was interesting to me because uh the last sort of six months of of the games people were like this is amazing you're amazing and I was like yes I'm amazing (laughs) and then you know everything your contract ends everything's done um I went back out into the working world and went okay I've got all this amazing experience somebody come hire me and what was happening was we're was the business community looked and said, yeah, but you haven't done widgets. Like I do widgets and you haven't done widgets. So I don't really know what to do with like these 53 divisions that you've been working on and doing this and doing that. Like, I don't under- like, I don't know that you're going to be able to relate to my business.
0: Mm, you're like, overqualified. Like, oh, but,
1: but overqualified, but, but, but We're also they're saying, <laughs> yeah, but, but, and they're also saying, but you know what? Um, I I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're qualified to do my business. Mm. So yeah, it was a, it was, it was a struggle because I'd come off this really big high um, and, and people saying like, you know, and I thought I hiked. The business world, people didn't know um, where to put me effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, did you ever feel a sense of loneliness during this time, like feeling Mm -hmm. like nobody understood you? Because I know myself and a lot of fellow entrepreneurs, we have either this experience or this vision or just this trajectory that only we have followed for our life. And ultimately Mm -hmm. that sometimes leads us to feel a little bit isolated and like nobody understands us or that we are not sure our place in the world. So I'm wondering, did you ever encounter that? Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Um, I was coming into my 40th birthday
1: and I, and I said to my dad, I was like, you know, it was a year later. So it was in 2011. And I said to him, I'm like, I'm sitting here I'm coming into 40. I have no job. Nobody like wants me. I'm, I'm, you know, and I, and I said to him, I think I'm depressed. (laughs) And he said, Oh, well, let's talk about that. And I was like, wow, like I didn't expect from going from this super high professionally, personally, whatever, to a year later, having like a, just a really big low of going, hmm, like this is not what I expected.
0: I think that these are the the moments in life and in our career mm. paths that not enough people talk about, right? Like yeah. we're so used yeah. to seeing people get the promotions on LinkedIn and we yep. celebrate people who got their dream job, but then we don't see what came before or mm-hmm. after that. And the reality is that with the highs, there will inevitably be the lows and yep. it's tough, right? No it matter whether it's working for yourself or for someone else, but yeah, I think it's important to also communicate that there, there will be kind of that balancing act mm-hmm. between every dream job. There's probably going to be a lull where you yeah. just feel, yeah, displaced and like you have no idea what to do. So yeah, absolutely like for sure. Relate when to you that. start
1: questioning, oh, should I have taken that job that was offered to me that I didn't want and knew it wasn't in alignment? Yep. Right. And then you're like, maybe I should have done that. And then, and you're shoulda, woulda, coulda the whole way along. And then it's like, okay, I just need to sit with, I made the right decision at the time. Now, where do I go from here?
0: Yep. Yep. It's yeah. definitely like a midlife yeah. crisis or <laughs> yep. wherever you're at. So sure. after you finished up with the Olympics, what happened mm-hmm. after that?
1: Yeah. So when I was done with the games, I actually did a ton of traveling. So I was like, I need a break. So I did some traveling. I did some advisory work with London and Sochi Olympics, did some stuff with the International Olympic Committee. Um, Yeah, and then I came back to Vancouver. As I said, I was looking for a job. Um, I ended up landing at Boston Pizza. um, And I was there for a couple of, uh, almost two years. um, And I made the decision to actually leave Boston Pizza without a job. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad had just passed away and he and I had been having some really, really heart to heart, great conversations sort of leading up to his passing, which I didn't expect his passing to happen. Um, yeah. So it gave me time to reflect afterwards and kind of think about, am I in alignment? And, you know, you talked about pivotal points in sort of your career and life path. That was a pivotal point for me again, um, where I made the decision, you know what, I'm going to leave. And hopefully I'm going to find some, something um, that's going to align better with my values, my, my passion, my vision for my life. Um, and that's actually when I came into Y Yoga. I was actually going to Y Yoga. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I was like, I was running. I was like, I need my life to manifest in a way that I see it. Um, yeah, and a role came up at Y Yoga. I applied. I got the job. It was a CFO job. Um, they were looking at kind of up-leveling the organization and wanting to expand across Canada. So they viewed my experience um, to be quite in line with where they wanted to go. And they loved that I was already a, uh, a really invested part of the community. So.
0: Mm, yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, now, one thing that I know a lot of the people that I work with and the listeners encounter mm-hmm. is when they ask themselves questions like, am I in alignment with my job? Mm. They don't really know what the answer is because they're not sure what Mm -hmm. they're good at or what they like. And they're having trouble figuring out like what they're meant to be doing or what their purpose is. So Mm -hmm. have you always kind of had that inner knowing of when you're in and out of alignment or are there things that you did to cultivate that stronger sense of self? Mm. Really great question.
1: I would say, like, for sure, my intuition told me I wasn't in the right job. Mm-hmm. And it took me uh, to my dad's passing for me to, to really go, you know what, you've known this for two years, you just haven't done anything about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I've always, my gut, my gut, my intuition will always tell me like, you're, like something, something isn't right, um, whether, I, whether I can sort of articulate, like I just, I know something's not right, but I sometimes I don't know what to do with that or where that might take me next. But, um, but I usually like to kind of sit with it. And what I've, what I've noticed for myself is that, it, um, is that it usually takes something almost externally for me to make the shift.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah or for me to like really go like, yeah, it's been sitting there for a while. You just haven't done anything about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think where a lot of people are, are hung up right now is that they're not listening to that inner voice. Hmm. And instead they kind of tune into everybody saying, oh, you've got the job and the benefits mm-hmm. and you work for such and such company. It's so well known. You can't leave. And yeah. those are external voices that are really crowding out what your gut or your intuition mm-hmm. or your inner voice says. So yeah. yeah, I think it's important to take that time to tune in and to do things that you love that can inspire you to find what you want next. So. Well,
1: and really that's what yoga does for me. It used mm. to be running. Yeah, but I've since um, had some injuries. So I don't do that quite but the, it's for me it's that moving meditation it's clearing out all the stuff um so I find that when I don't uh, physically move my body um through like yoga or running or walking outside or anything like that like if I don't do that I've I've lost connection with my intuition
0: Mm-hmm. such a good tip yeah. So for somebody who has never heard of or mm-hmm. experienced YYoga before, could you share a little bit more about the company and what you guys do? Sure.
1: Um, so I think, you know, kind of the unique thing about y Yoga, we've been around since 2007. We um, were founded in Vancouver. Um, we're really focused on building out Canada we have we're women led so me um but four out of our five uh management team leaders are women um so i think that's a that's sort of an interesting unique thing about who we are um we've we've got 12 studios 10 in bc we've got two in toronto um we're just we've just launched an on-demand platform so called why yoga at home so that's one of the things that uh, you've kind of tapped into both of those, the in-studio experience and the um, and the on-demand experience. So, you know, really our vision is to touch as many Canadians um, as possible in the remote areas and and you know, through our physical studios in order for people to sort of, we believe that, you know, by doing that, we're going to make the world a better place um, by promoting people's well-being, really.
0: Mm-hmm. And so for someone listening who says, well, that's great. You've got these studios, this at-home mm-hmm. program, but can't I just pop on a YouTube video and do some mm-hmm. random yoga experience? Like what is unique about why yoga and why should people want to spend money and time to join a studio and a culture like what you have created?
1: Mm. Yeah, I would say our community is, um, is pretty unique we, we have some of the best teachers across the nation that are working with us. Um, we really want to cultivate that, um, that, that feeling of being a part of a community. And I think that in the studios, we definitely create that place of, of um, a place to go inwards, to go from the hustle and bustle of your daily life and actually spend that hour, hour and a half on the self care of yourself, um, and creating that environment to do that. I think our physical spaces definitely do that. And I think the the on demand um, platform, really, it's focused on the person and um, the alignment of creating within your body, as well as to your mind. So I think just really the, the spaces create a sense of I don't know, calm, I guess, in this world of, of, of just, I don't know, distraction, I guess is the word that I would use. There's just so much stuff going on that to create that calm environment for your mind and your body. I think that, that that's just, it's such a missing part of, of what we do now, you know, where we'd rather be in our phones than connecting with the people around us. I see it all the time. You know, you go to a restaurant and everybody's on their phone and nobody's talking to each other. So to create these spaces and environments where people can kind of disconnect to to reconnect with themselves, I think is super important.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I think you guys do so well with, especially the in-person experience mm. here in Toronto with the two studios yeah. that you have here. It's you know, of course you're going to spend a little bit of money uh, to go to a studio experience, Mm -hmm. but you're getting just that, an experience where you're able to tap into that community and feel the expertise of a teacher that's been hand selected to work in the studio. And you're able to feel that sense of calm energy that maybe you don't have when you're just, you know, laying down a mat (laughs) in the middle of a park (laughs) nearby or, you know, who knows. So I just think that that's one thing that you guys have really honed in on is, is that full 360 degree experience from the moment you walk in to the moment you leave, which is so awesome. yeah. And so I've seen that you've recently actually started to franchise the brand, which is yeah. so exciting. And I think <laughs> that perfectly aligns with the vision to create this sense of calmness and bring community to more people through yoga. So mm-hmm. maybe tell us how the, the franchising came to be, cause that's of course a big step for a company like yours. Yeah, um, y- you know, sort of the the,
1: The way why yoga started was actually through partnerships. So we actually partnered with local um, yoga studios and and grew the business through that and then ended up sort of um, running them 100%. um, But really those partners that that were a part of our community in the beginning are still a part of our community today, whether they are uh, full-time teachers with us or they're part of our staff, um, or there are international teachers now and they come back and do workshops with us but what's really kind of foundational is that I feel like we're we're coming back to that grassroots kind of place of where yoga started and we've also had just a lot of people in our community asking us um, over the last couple of years like are, are you are you going to franchise like I'd love to be a part of expanding this community it's made such a big impact on my life and and I really feel like it's more in alignment with where I want to go. So, would you ever consider doing franchising? And that kept coming up. Um, probably every couple of months, people would be asking us. And I thought, you know what? Um, if our community is wanting this, uh, it probably makes sense. And you know, we've and we've done it before, where we've partnered with uh, with local owners and and. I was like, wow, this really feels in alignment with who we are as a brand, and how it would be best to sort of bring it to other communities across Canada. So, um, just felt really right, like the timing of that, and and feeling like you know we can add um, a lot of value and wis- wisdom and expertise and things like that that we've learned um, about how to run a really successful business and create that kind of community environment. So. Um, yeah, it's super exciting for us.
0: I think that's such an important tip for anybody listening is to take the feedback and the Mm -hmm. comments that your audience or your community is giving you and listen right i mean Mm -hmm. they were asking for it it's not like you just created this need out of nowhere to franchise Mm -hmm. it you heard it time and time again and finally said okay it's the right time for us to listen and create a solution to what people want i think that's a very applicable tip for anybody yeah for sure And with the growth of the um, Y Yoga at Home, too, is that just to meet people where they're at in terms of wanting to do yoga in the digital age where, you know, we are plugged in all the time and it's more challenging than ever to find time to get out and attend a class. So I'm just curious um, how that all came to be, because that's definitely unique for a studio to be offering uh, that online on demand type access
1: yeah so very similar it it is kind of meeting people with where they're at but people are also asking us um you know like i have to move away there's not a studio close to me is there any way that um or, or are you guys going to be doing anything digitally we're like yeah yeah we should be doing something digitally <laughs> because people want to stay connected to us so um yeah it was it was a little bit of both of we are getting into or have been in this digital age so it made sense for us to kind of expand our studio experience to be outside the studio or bring the studio into your home um but also those that were sort of moving away were really asking us hey how can i stay connected every time i come back to vancouver or toronto or wherever um i come into the studio and so when we launched it um in the spring so in april of this year that that was what the feedback was coming back from the community was oh my god i'm so excited um i've moved away and now like i can have this this great experience with white yoga um at home and then we're hearing from people that were um, guests in our studio saying you know what now i can take this when i go travel and and so i don't lose that momentum of my practice and i still get to stay connected so Yeah, it's been a super positive um, experience.
0: So many exciting things happening mm-hmm. within the company. So yeah, I'm very yeah. thrilled of uh, having that experience as an option now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, as the president of y Yoga, is there a skill that you're currently focused mm-hmm. on up-leveling, whether it's a business skill or a life skill, um, just because obviously your role is probably quite demanding some days mm-hmm. and requires a lot of you. So yeah, is there anything that you're working on currently? I would say just
1: big picture is just being a better leader Um, and I'm wanting to learn from other leaders in the community. Mm -hmm. So I've actually joined an organization called YPO. So young presidents organization um, to work alongside and hear from other um, people at my level going through similar things or, or where I can gain experience from them, both professionally and personally so that I can show up better as a leader. Yeah, that for me is that for me is just the real key thing right now, because we did bring on two different sort of pieces of our business this year um, that like, how do I continue to keep the culture um, where it is? How do I how do I keep the people being excited and feeling supported? And how do I lead through the change?
0: Mm. I yeah. love to hear that. Yeah. You, you sought out an organization mm-hmm. that could help you with that. because I think that's really important. Yeah. Besides YPO, um, have mm-hmm. you ever hired or worked with a coach or a mentor in order to kind of bust through some of your own limitations and that could be anywhere in your career path or have you kind of done it all yourself?
1: Yeah, no, for me, I haven't, I haven't hired a coach at this point. Um, my dad was always my my coach and my mentor, and my advisor. So I, I think that you know he passed uh, seven years ago, and then when I was coming into, uh yoga? Really, the founder of Y yoga, Terry McBride, uh, reminded me a lot of my dad. So I really used him as my advisor along the way. Um, but yeah, I so so I've I've had some really strong influences, I would say um, since my dad passed, it was Terry and, and now I sort of, you know, I feel like I need something a little bit bigger and more external at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we're kind of wrapping up the show now. I'm just going to ask you a few business specific rapid fire questions to close out. So, uh, you can say, yeah, whatever comes to mind and and keep it short if you wish. So here we go. What's one major career highlight that you've had? Oh,
1: the Olympics.
0: (laughs) I could have guessed that. Yeah, I probably didn't. And I would say
1: if I was to add on to that, I would just say, you know, uh, crossing the finish line with my full team intact. That was huge for me and running with the torch and running with the torch was a good personal experience from that.
0: So cool. I'm sure you have some pictures of that. I do. (laughs) And I have the torch. (laughs) I love that. What tool, object or ritual could you not live without in managing your role as president for why yoga Mm. tool would be my
1: calendar like I live and breathe by my calendar
0: what Um, application do you use for that is it iCal
1: uh I actually use Outlook okay and it's like color-coded love it (laughs) I'm, I'm that crazy about it um and for ritual I would say for me it's it's the yoga it's yoga or the walking it's doing something that where I can be in a space to think and really
0: uh, tap into my intuition. Amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. when you feel stuck, uninspired or unmotivated, which we all have mm-hmm. those days, what do you do to shake that bad mood?
1: Uh, I, I would, it's, it's the playing with my dog is probably the, the quick kind of one. Um, but for me, it's also booking a travel trip somewhere.
0: Oh I like that too yeah. yeah sometimes you just need to shake up your normal yeah. surroundings and routine mm-hmm. and see a different perspective, yeah, love that, and mm-hmm. uh, what does a day in the life look like for you right now? Ooh. typical day or week I
1: was gonna say right now i'm I'm working through an injury, so my days look very different um what, what would have, If I'm not in injury, <laughs> my yes. typical day would be kind of waking up just after six o'clock. I go do um, uh, some high intensity workout at 6.30. I come back. I shower. I have my lemon water. I go to work. Um, I have sort of the meetings, things like that. I take my dog to work every day, by the way. Oh, that's um, amazing. So very lovely. Yeah. He has 20 people to get to love up on him every day. <laughs> so he's pretty happy. Um, we do a, uh, kind of an afternoon walk, uh, more meetings, conversations, things like that. I might have an evening event to go to for Y-Yoga or for one of the boards I sit on. Um, or I'll go to a yoga class or Pilates or something like that. Yeah. And then I hang out with my partner.
0: Sounds yeah. perfect. Love yeah.
1: that. How, a, do you
0: feel like you found a good balance in this role, like of not working too much? Um, or do you feel like it, it's a lot? I,
1: well, it's funny, I would say because somebody said, Oh, what's your work life balance like? And I said, I wouldn't use that work. I, oh. I would say it's work life integration.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: for me, if I want to go to Pilates class at like 1045 middle of the day, I do that. Um, so it's, it's more about how do I weave in all the things that I want to do. And personally, and, and sort of for work and So I don't really, I'm not a typical kind of like nine to five or anything like that. It's, it's really, I kind of, I kind of morph the day, um, between personal and professional. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I definitely operate on the same. You kind of weave it together. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's. Um, a nice blessing of having a job that is a bit more flexible, where you don't mm-hmm. have to be stiff about nine to five if those are not necessarily the hours uh, where mm-hmm. you're going to thrive or when that's when the events are happening. So, yeah, that's great. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey. And uh, you. I know that we all want to run out to a yoga class right now <laughs> after speaking with you. So, where can we learn more about you or why yoga uh, if we want to get in touch with uh, the brand? Yeah, so Y-Yoga,
1: we obviously have a website, um, yyoja.ca. We have Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of good stuff. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. My handle is Carrie Dillon, so pretty easy peasy. Um, Yeah. You can find me in a studio on a mat.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Yes. If I find myself on the West Coast, I will definitely try to attend the class with you. So amazing. Well, again, thanks so much for your time and I can't wait to share this episode. I know people are going to get a ton of value out of it. So I'm really grateful that you shared your journey on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kelsey. I really appreciate it and good luck to all those entrepreneurs out there. I wish you um, great luck in following your intuition and being super successful
0: thanks for tuning in to this episode of visionary life i love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis so if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your itunes app i would be so grateful you can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your instagram stories tagging me at kelsey rival If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action. Please reach out because I'd love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.